Welcome to Podcast Episode 8. This week's podcast is brought to you by Thunderbolts. Hey, is an unregistered superhero causing you problems? Are you tired of vigilante justice and you want some order? Then get Norman Osborn a call, because he'll come and straighten your ass out. Thunderbolts! Justice like lightning. And I'm here again, always, with Brad. Hey guys, it's Brad. And it's Ryan, of course, and this is uh, another exciting adventure into Nebulous Vision's minds, which... I've been told are so borderline genius that we're getting grants from like John Hopkinson's college or something. Really? Yeah. How much? Um, probably a dollar. Oh, a dollar. Well, that won't make a movie. For but us. it's better than a penny for our thoughts. True. <laughs> That's all true. I got. <laughs> I don't know why I went on that weird um, grant tangent but hey you're imp- you're improvising. It's... I'm improvising. So anybody out there that's like, I need improvising in my movie, this guy Ryan can improvise with the best of them. Which is true. You should be on uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? I should. I should take Drew Carey's spot on there and host <laughs> it and be like, okay, um, you. I know you guys would be about the same size. Oh, you fucking asshole. <laughs> he's fatter than me. It's true. Dick. No, he's fatter than you. Yeah, but you couldn't go fat. one podcast without making fun of how fat I am. It's the only material I have. Brad, you gotta start expanding your horizons. I mean, that's what you have to do. If you want to be multidimensional, you just can't be a one-hit wonder. What if Drew Carey's got a huge cock? Then you'd appreciate my comparison. Yes, but since I do have one, (laughs) I think. (laughs) uh, Well, uh, yeah. As the silence fills the room and an uncomfortableness comes across Brad's face. Brad, what have you been up to this week? I haven't heard from you in a week, basically. Uh, I've been working hard and... Hardly yeah, working. or hardly working. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, clever. <laughs> um, yeah, any exciting news to report? Um, uh, not really. I've been. I uh, finished a video for the band Filthy T. Yeah, I saw that uploaded. Did you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got that done. Um, did you like it? <laughs> uh, I didn't watch the video. I oh, saw that you uploaded okay. it. Yeah, wow. All because right. I'm not in it, so there's no reason really for me to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't watch it when I was editing it. So <laughs> how uh, do you not? How do you not watch it when you're editing? Just because you weren't in it. So. Oh yeah, I'm I, making a joke. Oh, yeah. thank you. Just how awesome. Obviously, I, am. I have to watch it to edit it. Yeah. So. <laughs> or you just phone it in. I think it's ironic humor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you phone in editing. <laughs> uh. So what's the, what's the name of the band again? Filthy T. Filthy T. And what kind of music do they do? They do like a rap rock combination. So, so they're like um, uh, Beastie Boys, I guess? I guess, yeah. Kinda, Are yeah. they good? Yeah, they're good. Uh, the concert itself, uh, the recording quality is not their fault. Um, but the equipment, it made the video not sound good. So um, I uh, got a... A CD of their songs that they made in the studio, and I, you know, overlaid that over their performance, and it, you know, it, they uh, got their timing down because it lines up really well. So really, yeah, good for you, Brad. Way to think outside the box. That's nah, not really that. Well, you're given a problem, you solve the problem. <laughs> I do. I, I solve problems. Problem solver. Problem solver is what you are. So we went and saw Friday the 13th, which I have been waiting forever for. What'd you think of it? Uh, I thought it was uh basically i liked it but it's i don't think it's a great movie it's a good movie it's basically just uh you know the classic films with a better production value yeah you know what i call i call jason's greatest hits because they took a lot of like what made him cool 
and just amplified it, really. Yeah, they took a little piece from each of the eight movies. Really? I wouldn't say eight. I'd say all 12 of them, 11 of them. Because remember at the end of Jason X, when his mask is floating to the bottom of the lake? Oh. It does the same thing in that one. And the girls uh, in the sleeping bags getting beat against the tree. That is kind of echoed in this, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. So, yeah, that's what I got. Except there's no really Jason Goes to Hell references, because that movie is complete utter shit. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh... Yeah, I, I did think, too, like, I was really fun, but I think a lot of the kills were kind of weak. Yeah, like the coat hanger in the back. Okay. See, I think, actually, that was uh, deer antlers. Cause I, was, I, I thought it was, like, the, just the nubby coat hanger, and I figure, yeah, that could kill you, but not instantly. <laughs> so Maybe he's so tough that when he pushed it through her lungs. I thought the most disappointing kill was, the like, probably the worst person ever in a horror movie. Like the total jock guy who just hates everybody and he thinks he's the best thing ever and he's like, oh, your tits are stupendous. Yeah. Which, by the way, is a really funny line, but <laughs> his death was kind of weak. I'd expect him to get, like, slaughtered. I thought it was like the, the Punisher remake death where John Rolt <laughs> is being dragged along, like, across the parking lot and mm-hmm. then all the explosions are going off. It's like this over glorified death. Yeah. So, uh, it was, like, in that vein. So it was kind of goofy, but at the same time, he, of all the characters that we're gonna die like he deserved it the most <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> he should have totally got it bad yeah so like yeah he probably should have something like it wasn't that uh punishing like it's it, but it's still out of all the other deaths it was the most probably gruesome i guess yeah I, i'd uh, i'd concur with that yeah because there's an arrow in the eye deer antlers or coat hanger in the back axe in the back machete in the face or cleaved in the face uh sleeping bag on fire two throat cuts yeah. Um, well, you never saw what happened to the guy who got killed first, though. I, you just, he looked like he's got a throat cut. Yeah. So I was like, like, oh, that's weak. Someone tells me that was edited out. Maybe. Because, like, DVD it, special features. Yeah, Jason, like, shows up and all of a sudden he's gone. I think it's just to build that suspense of. Because they don't want to show you the first kill right away. They want to, like, oh. keep you asking, like, oh, what is he, you know. Even though you know it's Jason, so. Yeah. I mean, but you don't, why else do you go see that movie? They don't it's, want to give the most brutal thing away. Do you away think it's kind of weird that. You go to see that movie to see Jason, and he's like a mass murderer, and he's like not a good person at all. I don't get it. Is why? Because uh, in this movie, he's uh, displayed as being a much smarter uh, and efficient killer. Like he doesn't just sneak around and hide and walk slow. Mm-hmm. Like he like he plans out his kills, and uh, but at the same time, he's so easily distracted by a girl who sounds or looks remotely like his mother. I think that's more of an homage to part two. Like it's an homage, but in like the arc of the story and like the character that's presented, like it doesn't make sense to, like yeah, it makes sense as you're as you're honoring the past movies, but if you're trying to tell this story, it doesn't. Yeah, you know, it just makes this. It, that just means that this story is just an homage. It's not really trying to yeah. set up its own identity. See, what I did like about the movie is they did a they showed Jason in between kills, you know what he kind of does and you know how he survives and. Because in the other movies, he kind of just pops out of anywhere, yeah. and he just kills people. And this one, you know, they showed him, like, he ate food, he slept in a bed that was his, and I guess as a Jason Goes to Hell reference is he lived in his house. Because the Voorhees house is in Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah. I guess it's the only one I could think of. Plus, I uh, remember in uh, Behind the Mask when the, the actor killer, this is, like, just demonstrating, like, you gotta be able to walk, be fast walking. Oh, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, That's a great movie, J- too. That's I should... why Jason pops it for 
Myers because he can walk, but he walks really fast. You know, I should tell people, you know, if you're fans of horror movies and slasher movies, you should really pick up Behind the Mask. Because, I mean, it's not, like, the best movie, but it kind of pokes a lot of fun at, like, slasher cliches, and, and then the ending sets up a huge slasher cliche built onto each other. And basically the story is this girl interviews a killer like Jason Voorhees, where he creates a legend about himself, and he goes around killing people, and she interviews him, and he's, you know, training, and he says, you know, it's really, it's a lot of hard work, you know? You know, they're running, you're walking to keep up with them. <laughs> really, really clever. It's a really funny movie. Yeah, I was impressed. Especially by the end, because you think the whole movie is the documentary, but yeah. then it actually turns into a horror movie. And so. it, it, like, totally polishes itself out. Like, the first, I don't know, hour of it's that documentary style, and then when it switches to the horror movie, it kind of polishes itself out. Where yeah, it's very cinematic. Very cinematic. That is true, my friend. I went and saw Underworld Rise of the Lycans today. Oh, did you? I did. I got, it. I got to see it for free. <laughs> my brother works at the movie theater i'm actually a fan of the underworld movies i think they're really slickly made and every time i see the budget for them i'm really surprised the first underworld was made for t- like 10 million dollars and it, i mean it looks like it's a big budget movie so and that's obviously led to len wiseman getting movies like die hard uh live free and die hard but he didn't direct this one no he didn't he wrote the story for it and it's basically a prequel to the other two and show how they started the war and um, Bill Nine is, of course, is freaking the man. Or how do you pronounce his last name? I think it's Nye. 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 Yeah. Nye. Bill Nye in is freaking fantastic because yeah. he he he's over the top, but you still believe him as this ruthless vampire guy. I guess he's over the top in all his movies. I love his uh, introduction in Shaun of the Dead, yeah. where he does that like one eighty turn. <laughs> and he's Shaun. I don't even know. He has like a cool voice too. I want an English voice that's that cool. Yeah, uh, you know what turned me off about the Rise of the Lycans and what I haven't seen yet. Why is that? Is uh, although it's not really fair, but uh, the the poster tagline. What's the poster? I haven't looked at it. Uh, every war has a beginning. Oh yeah. Like oh no way really. <laughs> every birth has a beginning. Um, me going to the movie has a beginning. Yeah. It's so lame. Not yeah, you know I guess they always say that too. You know, you found your keys in the last place you looked. Well, obviously, they're always gonna be in the last <laughs> yeah. place you look. Yeah. So yeah, it's lazy marketing. Uh, I, uh, maybe I'll cash it on DVD. I don't know. Yeah, you can wait till DVD. I actually thought it wasn't that bad. You know, um, it was a first-time director. The guy who directed this movie, I didn't even know until I was watching the credits. At the end is also the special effects guy. So he did the special effects of the movie and directed the movie, which is pretty cool. All Not the creatures. Just on the old ones, but yeah. Well, he did the old ones and this one. So both on this one. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, that's pretty impressive to do those two jobs. Uh, I mean, it was a creature design. It wasn't, like, computer-generated, which I think there's a big draw thing that didn't work in it. Is sometimes werewolves looked incredible. And I think it was they looked incredible when they were actually the animatronic werewolves. But when they were running through the field and stuff... You're like, CGI oh, yeah. right there. Yeah, because like, for some reason, the lighting didn't match. You know, you can totally pick out, like, brown... Like, they look like turds on legs <laughs> running across the field. <laughs> but it was super violent, so that was cool. And I miss Kate Beckinsale. I she love her. Doing other movies, but her husband's Lynn Wiseman. What the hell? She's so hot. You didn't direct the movie either. I know. So I know. They both bailed on it. They totally bailed on it. If uh, I'm making a movie with a hot vampire chick, though, Kate Beckinsale. I know, right? <laughs> Not any Pearl Harbor. Not very crap. inspired though, because it's been done. But yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> Fine. Um, she'll be. 
Uh, Put her in something you wouldn't expect her, expect her to be in. I don't know. She is like a chameleon. <laughs> She's a true actor. She, she is. adapt to any part. She She's, what's to. the last movie she was in? I don't even remember. I think some romantic comedy. Probably. I uh, I saw two movies without you over the past two yeah. weeks. Yeah, what'd you see? I saw Coraline in 3D. Was that good? Oh, I actually read your thing. You said it was pretty good. Yeah, it's... uh. Like I haven't seen a modern 3D movie, mm-hmm. and I it's spot on. Like yeah. it doesn't have that goofy like we're just pointing stuff at the screen. 3D, it's like it, things actually separate into a z-axis depth, and it was just amazing. Really, that's awesome. See, that was a problem with uh, my bloody Valentine in 3D. Is when he had the pickaxe, he'd like hold it at the camera and turn it, and he just say, "Come on." And the trailer before the trailers before Coraline, they like they had it up and everything, and. Some other uh, CGI movie. Oh, they had a Race to Witch Mountain in 3D. Really? That's a 3D the trailer. Movie? Yeah, and I guess there'll be a 3D full movie of it. But I'd love to see The Rock in 3D. <laughs> you would. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I was like, I think all movies should be 3D from now on because it's 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 not goofy. It it actually looks three, like you could like you're in the scene. I don't know if uh, I was sitting up close too, so maybe the edge of the screen being at the edges of my perifs made it even better. But so I don't know how people at far mm. back reacted. But no, you know, I I was reading that um, a lot of movie theaters starting to adapt that because Disney's banking on 3D. Oh yeah, I mean, like all the trailers were Disney trailers. Yeah, so. uh, the they have a new Jonas Brothers concert coming out in 3D or something, oh, which great. we should go see. Oh uh, yeah, the, great. Sign me up. Do you know any of their songs? No. They're like super popular. I don't know any of their songs. I've never heard anything of theirs on the radio. You or I. I don't listen to the radio, so that's probably why. Yeah, it might be it. I just listen to my iPod. Me too, because <laughs> the radio's totally garbage. But, oh, yeah. but yeah, no, I was reading that uh, they're starting to convert a lot of movie theaters to 3D because Disney thinks it's the wave of the future, and they get behind it 100%. I mean, they were, they've been doing 3D for a while now. I mean, I saw Meet the Robinsons in 3D. That was like two or three years ago, and now all their movies are going that way. That Bolt was in 3D. Did you see that in 3D? Uh, no. Oh. Yeah, I bet that was like it's also 3D. It's more expensive too. It's like no, oh, yeah, three or four bucks. But I thought it was totally worth it. Like as long as the movies, like you don't want to go into a you know, bad movie in 3D and be like, oh. But Coraline, even the story was good. So yeah, you know, I was really interested to see it because one of the things that kind of irks me about the Nightmare Before Christmas is that everyone thinks Tim Burton did it, oh, but yeah. you know he produced it. But the guy who did Coraline is actually like the, the brains director, yeah. behind it. And I mean, Tim Burton did a great job with The Nightmare Before Christmas and everything, but I just think it's one of the biggest misleads in cinema, because <laughs> yeah. it's Tim Burton's A Nightmare Before Christmas. He's just the producer. producer. He designed the characters. Helped stuff. design the characters. Yeah. Helped design the characters. But it's really cool to see him do his own movie. I mean, he also did James and the Giant Peach, so this yeah. is a really good director, and he's really interesting. And it wasn't, because, uh, you know, The Corpse Bride was 3D, mm-hmm. so when Tim Burton did that, uh, but they... Uh, you know, Giant Peach and Coraline, those are still stop motion, like classic stop motion animation. Really? Yeah. You know, I remember seeing the figures for that at Comic Con in July. And I Coraline thought, figures? Yeah, I remember it looked pretty interesting. They're I, at the Nesco booth. They do good stuff. I bet they look good. Yeah, so. absolutely. And then I saw Waltz with Bashir last night. That was cool. Yeah. I remember you saying you really wanted to see that. Everyone gives it really good reviews. Is it, yeah. is it good? The animation is stupendous. Like, it's not very... There's some parts where, uh, when it's just characters on screen talking, like, that's when it gets kind of boring, because the animation's not really changing that much, but when it goes into, you know, the war scenes and stuff, and, uh, it's basically like a Flash animated documentary, because, you know, the character can't remember 
uh, what happened in his service in the war in Lebanon. But then he goes and interviews all these other people to say, hey, you were there, why can't I remember this? And uh, when the interviewees tell it, it flashes to the actual like animating of the experience. And um, it's nothing grand that happens. It's just like all these little experiences that are just kind of interesting. And when they're animated, it's and stylized, it's even more interesting. Huh. So, and then the ending is just so tragic. <laughs> mm. Well, I haven't seen it, and maybe listeners haven't seen it. So just don't spoil the ending. Um, anyways, to, uh, guys, I just had a question. Oh, uh, did you see that Turtle Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out on Blu-ray? I did. 25th anniversary, but, uh, I was reading digital bits, and it's not 20 years old, the movie. Right. This, uh, but the comic book is 25 years old. The franchise so. is 25 The franchise. Yeah. Although, so, I thought the comic book came out in 83, so, but they say it's 84, so I will, uh, at some point just look in the inside cover of one of the old comic books I have and see which is true. So you should be excited because they're probably going to go... Reprints, so that might not be accurate either. Anyway. Um, you should be excited though because I'm sure it won't be bare bones. I'm sure they're going to have a whole bunch of special features on it. They haven't announced anything. I've, I've been to that site that announces them. They just show the cover art. Um, in the cover discs. art different? The, uh, well, there's uh, two collections. Uh, the Blu-ray one so far just has like this pizza box look to it really with the turtles drawn on it and then the standard definition because the anniversary it also includes the new cgi movie and then the Mm. old three movies so it's a four disc compilation um which means they because there's only four discs like there's only four discs now so there's not an extra disc of Mm. bonus bonus features which is why i don't think there will be but a couple years ago i think in 2004 they re-released the movie in england and england got a special edition dvd yeah, but it's also Blu-ray, so Blu-ray has tons of space on its disc. Yeah, well, it's not an issue. Well, yeah, maybe they do, yeah. Squish all the stuff on the yeah. Blu-rays. So it is one disc. We'll see. I don't know. I'm I just, excited. I was just curious, and do you still think the first movie's the best? Because I'm not a biggest fan as you are, and I think their CGI movie's the best one of the Turtles movies. Uh, it's... You have to have different appreciations. Like, the first movie is definitely the best representation of the comic book mm-hmm. um the even splinter training in the cage doing karate kicks as a little rat yeah really yeah huh. um i just thought that looked really goofy on screen yeah it's yeah because it's animatronic and it's 1990 and, <laughs> and it's in the dark yeah, is it still the highest grossing independent movie of all time no i think that's uh, oh it's my big to... fat greek wedding isn't yeah it? that's a bummer <laughs> But uh, the second and third movies, Ninja Turtles live-action movies, those are probably the best representations of the cartoon show. Well, especially the second one. Except for Vanilla Ice. Except for Vanilla Ice, who was never in the cartoon. No. Um, And then the new movie is kind of just a a blending of the cartoon and the comic book. So, um, like, the only thing I don't like about the, the new movie is that the story is just so simple. Yeah. Um, but I think they kind of did that too, be to like reintroduce the turtles to everybody because they did kind of go away for a little bit. It's a good jumping off point, like Batman Begins. Yeah, and, and I then... love the fight with Roth and Leonardo. Yeah, I think that's one of the most amazing scenes ever animated. The interesting thing is Peter Laird said he never wanted to see Raphael and Leo like fighting hand to hand on screen. Like they can argue, but he never wants to see them, you know, draw weapons against mm-hmm. each other. And the director Kevin Monroe said that you know, hey, look, just bear with me let my guys render it show you how the fight turns out and you know maybe you'll change your mind and uh you know 
he showed it to him and Peter Laird was like, wow, I kind of wish I thought of this before. It actually, <laughs> actually works because he just didn't want to show the turtles ever like basically going to blows odds with, with weapons. each other. Yeah. Like maybe even a fist fight would be okay, gotcha. but he never wanted to see it like a Psy versus Katana. But I mean, you know, you if you don't have Blu-ray, I mean, that's one of those scenes that you need to get Blu-ray for. Mm. Because I remember when we got it on, you got it on HD because you had HD, I got it on yeah. Blu-ray. But watching the rain go off their faces and, oh, is an amazing scene. I had both the standard def DVD and the HD DVD and I'd pop them in back to back and just watch, like on the standard def DVD you can, this, the, the picture has all these square pixels that are kind of mutating uh, in and out to readjust to the, the uh, resolution. But on Blu-ray it's just perfect, like every edge is well defined. Yeah, the rain just dripping off. It's just, it's fantastic. So I haven't seen Wally on Blu-ray. Is that the most technically impressive Blu-ray disc you've ever seen? Anything, any CGI movie, because it's output from the computer at a high resolution anyway. Like, there's not going to be a difference between the two. It's like it's the only difference is whatever image they project on screen. Like whatever. Because I think like Ratatouille when he's uh, running through the city behind the walls and stuff. I think it's one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever seen on any movie. In high definition, but yeah, it's it, not an issue of high definition at that point. It's just an issue of camera, uh, uh, camera work, and uh, you know, color and texture. So, like, you really can't put each of those distances and say, "Oh, that picture has a better resolution than that picture," because um, unless they really compressed the image to fit on the disc, which they shouldn't, because there's enough space to mm-hmm. hold a large file, so they should all have the same compression. But um, it'd be hard to like pick it apart like it, 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 it's such a minute difference i'm just curious because you know wally was made for 180 million dollars <laughs> and turtles was made for like 25 million or 30 million or something I yeah don't know that's if there's... uh that's the big question mark is how and like it, i think it only took them two years ninja turtles to put that movie together mm-hmm. and then pixar you know they usually take about four years to do each of their films so i think maybe the big uh, difference is um the Ninja Turtles movie is used with Korean animators. <laughs> so they and there's no got rules and regulations. Deal. Yeah, they could uh, pay them a little less, maybe. Um, but I don't want to see... I don't know. I don't well, know. it goes back to that. Remember the Clerks DVD? Where uh, it's a cartoon. Yeah, the Clerks and, cartoon. And they series. make fun of the Korean... Uh, well, I guess Koreans don't... Everybody work. Yeah, they're slaves. slaves. <laughs> Big American party. <laughs> oh, no, better's driving. How can that be? <laughs> I haven't seen those in forever. Yeah, that's a shame that it was only six episodes. It really is. It truly is. Kevin Smith, on I think one of the evenings, he was talking about uh, how he wished because they had a deal with either ABC or UPN, and uh, at the time, and ABC said, you know, we'll give you six episodes, and UPN said we'll give you twelve episodes, and they chose ABC because it was a more notable network. But they canceled this show after one episode, <laughs> so they wish they had at least gone to UPN, made twelve episodes, and then had twelve for a DVD later instead of you know the, only the six. Yeah, it was a bummer. I mean, that show was really clever, and yeah. like all Kevin Smith stuff, you know, it's really unfortunate that he's not appreciated till he goes to DVD. Yeah, because even his, I think Zack and Mary was his most accessible movie. You know, and you know, some people probably turned off because it's about making a pornographic movie. But and it, it's about it's not a the movie itself is not a pornographic no, movie. No, it's which, it's actually a really sweet romantic movie. Comedy, yeah, about it's about know. friendship and what you do yeah. when you love somebody, and it, you know it's really lost in the the marketing. The marketing, yeah, people's 
preconceptions of just hearing a word. Exactly, and it's you know I think it ended up being his highest grossing movie, but it still only did like thirty five million or something. <laughs> they're at they're on one of their podcasts. They're talking about how excited they were because all the industry was saying, "Oh, this is gonna be your highest grossing movie ever. It's so good. It's gonna you know do so much business, and you guys like really up your talent in this movie." And they were like, but they didn't tell us that it was going to be our highest grossing movie by $1,000. <laughs> so. Oh, a funny little thing I learned about Seth Rogen today is he's going to be on the new cover of Playboy magazine. Seth Rogen is going to be on Playboy's cover next uh, month. Naked? Or just um, his Yes, face? because the funny thing is they had like a little preview of it and he's laid out like a Playmate on it. And it got me thinking, I was like, who, who else has been a dude on the cover of Playboy? It's only happened eight other times. And the company he's joining is Peter Sellers, Burt Reynolds, and, uh, like, super macho guys from, like, the 60s and 70s. And Seth Rogen will be on the cover of Playboy magazine. Great. <laughs> I know, it's kind of weird. I, I, I read that today. Was... Oh, you looked it up. You're, you're, you've been waiting for that spread. I, I know, I'm like, Seth Rogen knew. Don't sugarcoat it. Cross fingers, <laughs> whammo, playboy. You were watching Zack and Mary, and you're just like, I hope I see Rogan naked. <laughs> I was, and I was like, uh, but good news, I saw Muse totally full frontal. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's really funny, you know, seeing him in that because you hear the stories that Kevin was telling, you know, at uh, in his evenings where he used to be so nervous in front of the camera. You know, he wouldn't dance in front of the camera on Clerks, and for him to walk out completely nude at <laughs> Zack and Mary is. So it was junk. It's pretty impressive. Lose all inhibitions. <laughs> <laughs> so we really don't have anything going on this week. So Yeah, this is your cast. Your this is your second so chance to host. I did a blog of the top my favorite video games of all time. And I was gonna ask you what your number one video game of all time is, and I'll tell people mine after I hear your response. Okay. Uh so many to choose from there is i base mine on what i've played the most what was the most influential to me and what meant the most to me at any specific time or what shaped really my childhood uh probably the first thing that comes to mind because i can't really go by that because there's some games i probably played more than this one but it's just because it's easier to play them like in a short amount of time whereas probably i think my favorite the legend of zelda ocarina of time it's probably just the combination of like the time and place I was playing it at, and like I've ne- that was the first Zelda game I've ever played. Mm-hmm. So, but just the experience. I just remember, you know, getting home from school and just spending whole evenings going through that game, and it's just so magical. And you know, I uh, it's funny you say that. That was number four on my list, uh, and I said basically the same thing. I said for a hundred plus hour game you do not feel like you've played it that long. And I think it holds true for any Zelda game, whether it's Majora's Mask, the first Legend of Zelda, or even if you go up to the Twilight Princess on the Wii. There's something about those games that are so magical. I mean, you get swept up in this adventure. It really feels like an experience. It's not just like uh, a passive thing where you pick up the controller and, you know, you play for, you know, go collect a ring or something. Like... It's kind of like Grand Theft Auto, where it's it's not like you can do anything, but you have an opportunity to just walk the land and just walk and explore, and just it's just interesting to see stuff in that landscape. And which I think is why it's better than stuff like Grand Theft Auto, though, and not 
gamers will argue with me about this, is I think Grand Theft Auto has really bad camera issues, and I don't think the story is very engaging. Where in The Legend of Zelda, Link does not utter a single word. I'll give you Link's vocabulary. Yeah! 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 That's Link. That's all yeah. he does. And the stories are so... You get wrapped up in them so much, and the people that only the only people that talk are either going to be from Wind Waker's Tinkle or or Tingle, and or no, uh, I don't think anyone's had a voice in any of the games. Well, they don't have a voice, but they have dialogue. You yeah. know, Zelda speaks, Ganondorf speaks. They have dialogue for people who don't you know, never played the games. It's dialogue that's and checks on, on the screen. Absolutely, Ugh, I was just saying shame on if you haven't played the games. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, you know, and I I was said too when I was writing about it, I can still repeat hum the tunes from the ocarina that like you know to warp and stuff and i and the music is sparingly in the game but it has i can't even tell you that game is fantastic it's seriously one of the best games ever made like it's a true experience it's and the simplicity of it you know you don't have like name actors acting the voices for the characters or and you don't have uh you have like a sense of I don't know how to describe it it's just so simple it is the, the, it's so natural like it feels it's not glorified by all these like superficial things you know that, that's why I think that's why I think Grand Theft Auto and Halos are so overrated because in Grand Theft Auto you, you can kill people sleep with a hooker but I don't think you get engulfed in the world you know it's you you do this stuff and then there's a sense of free roaming yeah kind of make up your own story but with zelda you got puzzle solving and you struggle with link i i feel like you actually struggle with him you know to solve a puzzle or you know to defeat the monster in goron's in death mountain you know i think you really feel that struggle that he does because it's not easy i don't think any of the dungeons in zelda games are easy i mean you might get beat him uh, faster than the other ones but even in the twilight princess figuring out when you had to walk on top of the ceiling and then where you had to drop down to get into the next world. Uh, that took me like 15, 20 minutes. That's the real brilliance of it, because a lot of other games with that kind of uh, puzzle solving, like they make it really obvious where the landscape is a certain arrangement of cubes. Exactly. Or there's... With Zelda, everything's blended into the world so well that you kind of have to walk around and think, okay, well, here's a stone, and here's this, and it just looks like an empty room, but... Or there's an icon where you're supposed to go to. Zelda doesn't have that. Or what combination of things in my satchel you know could i use to activate exactly this? you know in zelda you have to figure out um there'll be times when you, you you're supposed to get the bombs from somebody mm-hmm. you don't know who you're supposed to get them from yeah and so you have to go to everybody's house yeah, ask you to, everybody you have to travel between cities to or villages in order to you know ask around like who has this or, exactly in certain games there's uh time issues so mm-hmm. you have to be like if you're at a hut at someone's hut in the morning they may not be there at night so you have to like go out into the oh, field. The quest the to next... get the master sword. I haven't. Oh a while. man! Remember, I, Did you I ever haven't get done the Goron while. sword. Uh, like yeah, that's really yeah, that's the one. Like yeah. you have to basically run around all of Hyrule, and you have to do it in a certain amount of time. And it, it the only way I did is I had the strategy guide, yeah. and I could go through the steps. But yeah, no, um, my favorite game of all time, and I've said this countless times, is Super Mario Brothers, because. It's so simple, but the level design is so creative. I can pick it up at any time, and I will play that game straight through because I still think it's engaging, and I still love the theme music. 
And it seems like every time I play it, it's a new experience, even though you get used to enemy patterns. But still, you know, I, I know for a fact playing that game that if you die in World 8-4 and you have to go back to Little Mario and try to beat Bowser as Little Mario is nay <laughs> impossible because the hammers that come out of his head, oh man. And so like you have to go through 8-3, there's only one place to get a flower to get fireballs without getting hit, get to the end, and get to 8-4, the castle, which is actually a puzzle castle, without getting hit, and, uh, you know, get to the end. And I'll put a little uh, knowledge out there, tip. You always go down the pipe in 8-4 after the lava pit. There you go. That's how you get to the next part in Super Mario Brothers. But yeah, no, that's my favorite game of all time, and I I remember playing that when I was younger and getting to 1-4 beating Bowser for the first time, I thought I beat the game. Yeah, I know, me too. No, 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 my friend. You still have to go to the water levels. Oh, and, I know, yeah. But yeah. I remember, like, opening up the manual, like, because I, when I was little, I could only get to, like, world, like, one, two. Yep. And it was, like, that was hard enough, and so I would open up the manual and be like, oh, how much further do I have to go in this game? And they had the diagram all the way up to one, four. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, I just have two more levels. Sweet. I remember that, too. Yeah, and then you get to one, four, and you're like, two, two, one? Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. And then after 2-4, I'm just like, sweet, I finally beat it. And then there's another 8, you know. Oh, yeah, world. you know, and what's embarrassing, too, and um, is the original Super Mario Brothers 2 was never released in America until Super Mario All-Stars. And me and Brad, being cocky fuckers that we are <laughs> and really good at video games, you know, two or three years ago, we're like, you know what? We can beat the Lost Worlds. Fuck it, dude. We'll do it. <laughs> we're fucking awesome. And we have not beaten the Lost Worlds yet. We have not. It is seriously one of the... we haven't tried in about four years. Yeah, but but it is seriously one of the hardest games I've ever played. I have it on my Wii. It is a pain. I think it's one of the hardest games ever made. Yeah, it was programmed that way, so you can blame yourself. They did it on purpose, and then... Have you seen the the Super Mario Bros. Frustration video I posted? No, I haven't. Yeah, there's a video of this guy who's trying to beat... There's some kind of... I think it's after... I think you did it once. There's a code you put in, and you can access an alternate messed up version of the game in the original game. Oh yeah, it's if where you, you jump have unlimited o- lives, and yeah, yeah, where you jump over what? You, if you jump over, well, no, that's a different one. If you jump over a flagpole at any time in the game, you'll just continuously run and run and run throughout oh, the game. Oh yeah, not that one. It's something like if you beat the game and you hold back or something, and then it accesses, or maybe it's maybe just the Japanese version, but. Uh, basically all the levels are really messed up like there's no floor in some levels but they're still somehow passable so anyway this guy unlocked that and uh, he's in the Bowser's castle right away and he's just trying to jump from platform it's really he's just cursing and making up all these funny phrases to all this <laughs> ridiculous stuff like there's a blooper bloopers are supposed to be only underwater but he's yeah. flying through the air basically and uh, there's exaggerated fireball sticks and uh, <laughs> hidden there's hidden coin blocks so if you're just kind of running along and you jump off a platform and all of a sudden you just kind of hit it all like to your death instantly, it's it's just super hard and it's funny how the guy makes fun of it. But anyway. But yeah, that that's my most favorite game of all time. And you know, a lot of people are shocked because you know I'm a huge Mortal Kombat fan. I love Mortal Kombat too, but I will always choose Super Mario Brothers over any game at any time because it's it's a defining moment in my life of when I loved video games. I remember getting it for Christmas and playing it till I was blue in the face, and then of course, you know, switching over and playing Duck Hunt and stuff, and mm-hmm, yeah. with the zapper. If you got the two pack, you know, I was thinking too. You know, I left some games off. Um, my top three are Super Mario, MK2, and Resident Evil 2. 
Um, one game I did leave off, I have a lot of twos, is uh, Rayman 2 for the Dreamcast, which is a fantastic game, and I urge everybody to play it. You, it getting on the Dreamcast, I'd say, is very impossible at this point. So if you need to get it on your PlayStation 2, it is a fantastic game, and made by French Canadians. So if you get over that fact, then you'll still really enjoy the game, I think. What's wrong with French Canadians, Ryan? Well, there's no Canada like French Canada, but... <laughs> You know, I don't know, they're... I don't know. I'm just making fun of them. Blockheads, I don't know. <laughs> I've seen South Park. What's up, buddy? <laughs> hey, guy. <laughs> but yeah, no, so yeah, that's funny. Because, yeah, you know, I, I do think Ocarina... And I read on... What actually got me going on the 10... My favorite 10 video games is... IGN did a... Article is, is Ocarina of Time overrated. Oh. I know, right? IGN? Wow. Well, really... It, I, th- I think it's the the generation ring because jump back to about eight years ago when they did the actual article ocarina is the greatest game of all time yeah whatever you know but they're in a time now where i understand there's lots of halo fans out there and a lot of people enjoy the game but i do not think that game is anywhere near the caliber of super mario brothers or legend of zelda ocarina of time oh yeah i mean it's just not there's no games that can touch it i think the only game in the last um, two years that's come out that's been anywhere decent it's in my top 10 too is Super Mario Galaxy because there is that game is so great and is so innovative well things about those that group of games is compared to Halo like Halo what's the objective? to kill things I mean that's basically or I, don't, I haven't really played them uh, that much I've only played the first one but aren't there some like where you have to just go to a certain spot and collect a flag or something yeah well yeah I mean that's it's multiplayer it's capture the flag as you capture yeah. the flag and... or otherwise yeah you're just shooting aliens whereas Zelda and Mario like you have it's not just like and by puzzle solving what I mean like you know it's like a slide puzzle it's, or, or a key card yeah <laughs> it's it's actual just, I don't know if you've ever played those mind games where you know it describes here's what's in a room and you have to like then they give you the ending and you have to figure out how this could be like this like if it's a man, if a man sitting in a, a four walled room or something and there's a chair like it's, it's that type of mind yeah, puzzle absolutely. Like, I can't remember the actual puzzle but it's just that complex of a problem solving issue well yeah you know and it's different ways of doing it in um, Zelda it's, Zel- it's dungeon rooms where you have yeah. to find a way the pattern of the fires move a block over on the fire then you have to use a certain weapon or a certain boot to get over in Mario it's how do you jump up to get the star? You know, yeah. you might have to ride the turn into a bumblebee. That's why I love Mario Galaxy. <laughs> it had so much variety, and I think Mario Galaxy had the best Bowser fights in it. Yeah, I mean, just since really cool, yeah. really cool fights. Well, even '64. I mean, you just had to grab Bowser by the tail and spin around and throw him. Plus, I'm saying, like, when it first came out. Oh yeah, it's really cool. When that was like the launching pad for the N- Nintendo 64. Like, if you went to a store and played that level where you're spinning grabbing Bowser by the tail and spinning around like that was just mind-blowing oh yeah after playing all those 2D fights you know oh yeah jump on his head whatever but and then you know they had Sunshine after that and you never really fought Bowser in that no capacity. you know I, I did uh, mention too that you know it, Sunshine is a downer not that it's a bad game I still think it's very exquisitely designed but it just was missing those moments in Mario games that you love, you know, in Zelda games, you love. I love fighting Ganondorf at the end. Yeah, you know, if it's the huge sword. Isn't or... that amazing? After like all these Legend of Zelda games, at the end of each one, you're still just fighting Ganondorf. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and it's still great. You know, I think the coolest Ganondorf fight is in the Ocarina of Time, where he's like 
ghost Ganon, and he's going in between uh, paintings, and you have to use a grapple hook to hit him. If you remember that one, it's like in a dungeon, and he flies through on a horse. Oh, and, that's not the actual Ganon fight, but that's like yeah, the lead up to the that. lead up yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah, no, the Ganon fight it's cool, but I think that's one of the coolest Ganon battles. That is cool because it's just way different. You have to pick out what painting he's in, and then he comes out. You have to shoot your grappling hook. Yeah, I don't, where do, I don't remember what you shoot it at. I'll have to play the game again. Yeah, but you have to hit him with a grappling hook and. And I'm pretty sure it's in the forest uh, temple or something. I don't remember. Yeah, it is the forest temple, or uh, you're getting some kind of sage yeah. metal or something. See, but I have to play that game again. That you know, great game. I'm excited for Resident Evil Five. That comes out in a month. Yeah, I don't have a PS3, so I don't get to play it Tip with you. But... Bummer. You should. Oh, you will play it with me because it's multiplayer, so we'll have to play it together. <laughs> you can be the chick. Back to Zelda, real quick. I think uh, the best. Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> Slow burn. Uh, I think the unfortunately the Zelda game that doesn't get the most recognition is the Wind Waker. The Wind Waker is incredible. And as far as uh, Ganon Ganon battles, that was like the most shocking. When yeah. You have this kind of it's not exactly a kids game because of all the puzzles and other elements, but the overall aesthetic because he's got the cell shading, like it gives that feel uh, like a cartoon. But when he leaps up and thrusts his sword through Ganon's face <laughs> yeah, and turns him into stone. like, And he doesn't turn to stone right away. There's just like this whole sequence where Ganon's there saying his last words and this huge freaking sword is sticking out of his forehead. I'm just in like a, a, a teen-rated game. Like, and, and any previous is he Zelda game. teen? I think it's teen. I don't think it's everyone huh. because of that. But in any other Zelda game, like you kind of throw magic at him sometimes, or mm-hmm. uh, you slash him, and you know he just kind of hunches over. But in this cinematic, he's got the huge sword sticking out of his face. Like, that's kind of you know. I I wow, think awesome. I think Wind Waker is really overlooked as a great game. I yeah. mean, there's so many games I could put on there, but I just put the ones on there I play the most. And you know, the music in Wind Waker too is so great. Like, I, I can't remember. I, I want to say it's in the first part of it. It's that whoop, whoop, whoop. I can't even, like, redo it. But every time I hear it on my iPod, I, I freaking giggle because I think it's... the soundtrack. Yeah, because you have the soundtrack and it's so cute. Yeah. And it's really cleverly written. Can you imagine that game in HD? Oh, dude. Um, they, they need to do another one. I think they should really do another Wind Waker style. Yeah, Zelda game. But, you know, it's the cry babies. They kind of just need a Zelda babies. game in general at this yeah. point. Well, see, that's... We, go, we lock horns about this. But my biggest pet peeve with Nintendo is their great games are so far spaced out and i think right now my biggest problem with the wii is they're bombarded with too simple of games because it's Wii is embracing this everybody can play it well what happened is everyone's like because the n64 came out and they front loaded all their great games into the first two or three years of the life of that system meanwhile the playstation just put out anything like anything went out the bad games the great games oh yeah I agree there's hundreds of stuff and then everyone said well that's how you make a system great is just put everything like who knows what people will like just put it all out there and so the GameCube came out and once again Nintendo's kind of put all their great games out there and you know uh, forced third parties to pay extra to put their stuff on their system it was like their old business model and so finally like now Nintendo's putting like letting everyone publish whatever they want on it again. Well, yeah, I think that's that's what hurts it though. <laughs> well, no, no, I'm no. See, you're missing my point. They they have front loaded the launch of the system because the system's been out what almost three years now, mm-hmm. and they've already had a Mario and Zelda game, and Metroid, and, and Metroid. So now they need another one. That's my only problem. 
Is that that's what I've always said to you. Like their games are fantastic. No one can touch Nintendo in innovation or design. Yeah. But well, I, they I, need them, but I don't. It's not that big a deal to me. Like I'm not holding it against them because I'd rather like I'll wait ten years for the next Zelda game. See, I won't. Great. <laughs> I won't. No, you'll, I, you'll write I, them off. No, I won't write them off. Of course, I'll <laughs> always get it. And I'll always play it. But I think they need a more consistency in releasing their games. Yeah. I think that's the only problem with me with the Wii right now is I have not gotten a Wii game since Mario Kart. Or did Smash Bros. come out after Mario Kart? They were. That's the thing. They were like that, within a month of each yeah. other. Yeah. So. And so that really two great games, and then you know another year and a half. So yeah, so anything, but that's, that that bums me out because you know that they have the resources and capabilities to do. I know they do, because you can say whatever you want about Microsoft or whatever, but they can release a Gears of War or a Halo every other year, and they improve on them. Like I think Gears of War is one of the best looking games ever made, and I mean you just run around and shoot. But how's they, the sequel? Uh, I play it. I don't well, there know. you go. Like they put out the next game shortly after, and they didn't I know, change but, that much. But that's because I'm not an Xbox fan. Like, <laughs> I could care less. But I'm saying you could build on the success that you had with Mario Galaxy or the Twilight Princess and have another game because they are. And I understand. Well, I mean, the thing about Nintendo is they don't want to just put like here's Galaxy with another set of galaxies. Oh well, yeah, I know. I they understand. could do that, and they no, appease you. But they want to say, okay, well, we did the 360. No, I understand. I understand thing. that about yeah. Nintendo. But now you're bombarded with the Wii's approach to casual gaming. Like, everything on it's casual gamer. It's something your grandma can pick up and move her wrist in a jerking-off motion and, <laughs> you know, play the game. And I think that's that's fine, and they're selling more systems than anybody else. But I wish they would just start releasing more games under their, their you know, their umbrella. I mean, they... Uh, Luigi's Mansion lends itself so well to the Wii's controls. It's not even yeah, funny. Yeah, well, there's a game. I think yeah, it's there's been enough time, and they have the innovation now where they could make a different type of game with it. So yeah, like that's something they should have out right now. That's what I'm saying, though. You know, they 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 can do this. But, but my expectations for another Zelda and Mario, like I'm not, it's not that immediate for me. So. See, I, well, I know they're not going to come out for a while. I mean, if they don't. If they haven't announced them yet, it's still going to be another two or three years before one even is on the radar. I'd say that they're, they're say they're working on them, but before we see anything, it's going to be at least two years. See, in the case of Zelda, they could bring out another cell shaded one to fill that lull. You know, where it's, yeah, that's, it's that's not all innovative gameplay; it's just kind of the same thing as you just played in Twilight Princess, but cell shaded. Yeah, and I'm not turning my back on Nintendo. I love Nintendo. Oh, yeah, you are. No, I love Nintendo. I think, <laughs> I mean, you can look at my list. I'd say. 80% of it in the top, top 10, 10 games, is yeah. Nintendo-based. But I just, my only thing that bums me out about it right now is they've catered so much to casual gamers. Is they've, And I'm sure they don't feel this way. I'm sure they're working on it. I'd be shocked if they weren't. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that's how I feel right now. Bums me out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I haven't really played any video games in like a year, so I can't... But I gotta get on my X because I need to get my stupid DS back because they're releasing <laughs> another Super Mario, uh, Mario and Luigi RPG. Which are freaking fantastic games. Well, maybe you don't need to, because I don't know if you heard, the DSi is coming out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. I, so, actually, I just read about that. Just get yeah, yourself yeah. a new DS. Yeah, yeah, I should. Mine's still the, the silver flip-up yeah. one. It doesn't have the... It's not even a DS Lite. Yeah, then I won't have to talk to her anymore. <laughs> Might be worth it. <laughs> Might be worth $170. And never <laughs> yeah, talk to her again. <laughs> I'd rather take a cold uh, poker up the ass from Jason Voorhees. Uh, <laughs> Has he done that yet? Has he killed anyone with a poker up the ass? No, but remember, he shot that one dude in the 
balls with a spear gun in part yeah. four. Yeah, three because it's three D. No, it's part four. Remember he because uh, the thing shoots at the screen. Yeah, he killed that chick though with that. Yeah. And in part four, that guy um, got in a fight with his girlfriend, and she went skinny dipping for some reason out into the middle of the lake, and she got stabbed underneath the raft with mm. a machete. And then he saw her, and he, when he saw her, she was dead, he like scrambled back to the water, and Jason was waiting on the dock and shot him in the ball sack with it. Go, Jason. Yeah, brutal. Brutal. Yep. I love Spider-Man. Do you? I do. Spider-Man is my hero. He should be everybody's hero. I'll Batman's my hero. Batman is your hero. But he's dead right now. He's not dead. He's just out of play. Well, you know, I was reading um, Ultimate Spider-Man, and they're going to kill Ultimate Spider-Man. Are they? Yeah, you know, this is the only thing I don't like about um, comic and being a comic fan is I read solicits solicits um, in advance because I like to see the covers and I like to see where they're headed. Um, and they're doing this thing right now called Ultimatum. And I read an interview with uh, Brian Bendis who writes Spider Man, Ultimate Spider-Man. And right now in Ultimate Spider-Man, Manhattan is ov- was typhooned basically by a Magneto. And Spider-Man's out to save the day. And amazing Ultimate Spider-Man's ending, and I uh, and they're starting Ultimate Spider-Man Volume Two or Season Two, I forget what they're calling it. And I was reading an interview with him, and they, he said that somebody's making the ultimate sacrifice, and it's going to be a shocking moment. And so Marvel just released what they're going to put out in May, and it's Ultimate Spider-Man Volume Two or whatever they're calling it. And it's like, who's going to be Spider-Man after Spider-Man pays the ultimate price? I'm like, fuck. <laughs> So you got a little preview. So I got a little preview. You uh, can do that too on DC's website if you just click on like to look at all the comic book mm-hmm. covers. They'll have like a little caption of what's coming up, and you can kind of read ahead and find out like. Yeah, you don't know the intricacies, but yeah, you, you know, know the details. But... I, and I'm sure they would never kill Peter Parker. I mean, they never would. But at this point, in any any uh, franchise, if they try to like, they're gonna come back. Like, what's the even point of making a story arc that announces that the character's gonna die? Well, actually, like well, Captain, until... Captain America has been dead for two years. Doesn't matter, he'll be back. They'll I don't find know. a way to bring well, back. Well, I'm sure they will, but right Until now... a comic book character stays dead in any book... Well, you know, the old joke was um, the only comic book characters that stays dead is Bucky. Yeah. And he's the new Captain America now, so... Yeah. Like, the next thing would be to just bring back Bruce's parents. Oh, they... <laughs> There's some things I think they'll never touch. Like, they'll never bring back Uncle Ben. They'll never bring back Bruce's parents. Did they bring back Gwen Stacy? I think they did. No. No? They See, brought back her clone. If they brought oh. back Gwen Stacy, I would never read Spider-Man. Yeah. It's such a defining moment in that character. And I always thought it'd be cool to write the last Spider-Man story. And I always thought Spider-Man should go down um, saving J.J. J. Jonah Jameson. And then J. Jonah Jameson at the end of it. just Yeah, him. I would love to see him save J. Jonah Jameson. And the last issue of Spider-Man is J. Jonah Jameson writing an editorial recanting everything he's done. Yeah. You know, and I would have Spider-Man die fighting the Green Goblin, and um, Spider-Man would, would the Green Goblin get away, or would Spider-Man well, kill the Green Goblin and himself? No, at the I would same never time? have Spider-Man kill anybody. I would have Spider-Man not only. What if Spider-Man, like he's trying to take down the Green Goblin, uh, whatever he tries to do to stop? I swear, the Green if Goblin, Marvel steals my uh, comic idea, I'm going to punch him. But then the Green Goblin's like, "Ha ha ha! I got you, Spider-Man!" And then he actually like falls backwards on a spike. So. Green Goblin kills himself, and then Spider-Man's dead. You know, no, I will tell Goblin you my hand. envision of how Spider-Man dies. 
Um, him and the Green Goblin are fighting in Manhattan. They get to the Daily Bugle building, which isn't even existing. Different thing. But anyways, all the staffers, everybody who loves Spider-Man, loves or hates Spider-Man's there. Ben Yurik, who always praised Spider-Man. J. Jonah Jameson, who hates Spider-Man. Mary Jane's there. And uh, the Green Goblin knocks down the knocks down the building. It's about to fall on people, like a side of the building. Spider-Man catches the building and is holding it up. And, uh, and he allows everybody to run away, run away, run away. And then the building falls on Spider-Man. To, like, I always wanted Spider-Man to go out doing a really heroic act to prove everybody because in the comics spider-man's vilified you know he's scary so i'd always i'd have the green goblin win if he's strong enough to be able to sustain a building holding it up would it falling on kill him well it could it, it even if you're strong enough to hold it up it doesn't prevent it from crushing your head or something well i because mean, he'd be holding the bricks up and then they'd crumble around him and then just the few that are left at his hands would fall on him it'd kill him Brad. <laughs> anyways the point is he does a last heroic act and I, I'd always, yeah, I'd make the last issue of Spider-Man, J. Jonah Jameson write an editorial about everything Spider-Man's done, and I'd even have, um, maybe have the Green Goblin kill himself at the end or something, because he realizes that the, the only reason... Green Goblin re- would commit suicide over it? Well, because he realizes the only reason <laughs> that he's the way he is is because of Spider-Man, and... So it's like the Joker, where his existence is made is, irrelevant. Yeah, it's predicated by, by Spider-Man. And I, that, that's how I, I always want Spider-Man to go out as self-sacrificing I think is Spider-Man's only way to die because you know I did get upset they did kill Spider-Man like two or three years ago and he fought a villain called Morlin who is not even no one even knows who he is and Morlin like ripped out his eyeball and stuff and like beat him to death and that's not a Spider-Man death Spider-Man should go out being a hero and being who he's always been is self-sacrificing I I believe that to the whole of my being and I don't, the Spider-Man will never die, but that's how he should go out. He should go out fighting and saving people's lives, not being beat to death, because that's not Spider-Man. And then wake up with stingers in his wrist and kill the guy who killed him. What? <laughs> <laughs> I think I skipped over that story arc. Yeah, you probably did. It's called The Other. They always, try, they always try to take Spider-Man in new directions, and it never really works out. Because if you abandon what Spider-Man really is, then people will not read the book. You know, Spider-Man needs to be down on his luck hero, but still makes fun of villains and still has fun. And anytime you start wavering from that is when Spider-Man suffers. And that's right now. He's suffering because they got rid of his marriage, and they thought it was so unimportant for him to be married. But there's a voice missing in the book, and that's his wife's voice, and his voice of reason, and his voice for fighting and carrying on. And I think they're slowly starting to realize that. You don't have the, you hit the jackpot, Tiger. Uh, You don't have that. And it's, I mean, that's a classic line. Go Mary Jane. Even though I'm a Gwen guy, because it's like love interrupted, the death of true love. And I love the Green Goblin. So yeah, there's there's my nerd out moment. How would you have Batman die? Uh, probably. Would you have him wear a crazy costume and then <laughs> <laughs> go through some kind of psychological yeah. experiment to find out who he is inside? So, uh, I don't. I, I wouldn't even kill him. So. No. It wouldn't be an issue. No? He would just he would just. Would he die of old age? Well, he'd die of old age, but... It would, yeah, he'd probably die but of see, old age. See, there's, there's no moment, like, heroically, where you'd want your favorite hero to go down. Or you'd always want him to live. Because well, in my could, heart, Spider-Man would live forever. He's not a mutant, so he can't, like, live on Earth. Like, he's human. Spider-Man's not a mutant. He's a... No, I'm talking about Batman. Oh, yeah. So, he, I, he would just have to... 
Do you think it succumbed to something as irrelevant as a bullet shot or a gunshot or something? Uh, that probably the most. If it wasn't just dying of old age, that'd be the most likeliest thing. Really, you think? Yeah, I think because he overexerts himself so much. I think he'd probably die young. Yeah. Like maybe in his sixties, old young. <laughs> <laughs> so like he wouldn't live to be eighty, but he'd be so because it's all the broken bones. Like his just body would quickly wear out by the time yeah. he's sixty. So um, I think he would just probably just die alone at really? one manner. Yeah. No dramatic death, like the Joker doesn't get him or anything? Uh, maybe. Or do you think the Batman Batman would kill Joker? I don't think he would ever... You know, Frank Miller experimented with him like in the Dark Knight Returns, but... Or Dark Knight Strikes Again. I don't remember. But I, maybe it would be at the hand... Like, he would be trying to stop the Joker, and, like, he wouldn't... Like, you think he'd do it if he realized the only way he could stop the Joker is by killing him? No, I think he would... Like, I think if it came down to it, Batman would be trying to like he would try to stop the Joker, but it'd be in the situation where Batman's faculties would fail him, and it would end up resulting in the Joker dying. Mm. That's what I think. Dude, you know, like was... he's trying to like rope him, and he gotcha. misses because he's you know is you can't see that well anymore or something or whatever. So the Joker ends up falling to his death, but he'd be in the process of trying to save him. Mm. That's what I think would happen. And they're talking about comics. I got in a huge argument with one of uh, our friend Julie's friend because he told me Aquaman is better than Spider-Man. Why? That's the stupidest argument I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Tell me what the argument is. He says because on the talk... surface it does sound ridiculous, but what was his? His is he could talk to fish. And that makes him better than Spider-Man. I don't think. I don't think if you polled a thousand people, I'd say maybe half of them knew who Aquaman is. Only because they watch Entourage and they made the Aquaman movie in it or something. Yeah. I, I, and I don't like that guy anymore. Like, I physically do not like him. I hope he doesn't listen to these. <laughs> but, you know, I guess I guess it's a superficial hate. Like, it's not that I really hate him. But every time I see him, I can't help but think that he thinks Aquaman is better than Spider-Man. My friend Laura, she uh, her favorite is Aquaman. Really? See, I don't mind, but see, if you, see, if you tell me that Superman, you like Superman more than Spider-Man, like Batman more than Spider-Man, you like Captain America more. See, those are legitimate, like heroes that have substance. 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 But anyways, I can't. Uh, yeah, I can't get over it. Like I, every time I see him, I want to punch him in it, his it's face. It's a tough argument to make. So maybe he's just pulling your chain just to piss you off because he knows you like Spider-Man so much. Maybe if it is, then I hate him even more. Because <laughs> he got to. You. He's gonna be like my fucking Bono. He's 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 at home listening, just laughing like, "Hi!" He's so pissed off. And he's telling everyone on the podcast about it. Yay! So you know, we are also talking about uh, comics again, and how we they had a poll to see if wh- how much Watchmen would make. And I was watching G Four today, and they said the Watchmen is the most anticipated comic book movie ever. More Which, than the Dark Knight, I. I don't know. That's what I'm trying to think. Like, I'm trying to get a pulse on it because one, it's rated R, so it's going to be a tough sell for everybody. Yeah. Um, I mean, it looks really cool. I think visually it looks fantastic, but is it really that has it have that big of a following where you think it could topple records and stuff? Let's think about the Dark Knight. It's already had four movies prior, well, five movies, but and has a built-in fan base. Yeah, it's had a TV show. Yeah, comic books, four movies, five movies prior to that. Um... The Joker's a, you know, just about as recognizable as Batman as a, mm-hmm. you know, as a character. So there, you, like, you don't have to advertise that movie. Like people, it's, it's so saturated into the American culture that mm-hmm. people are gonna come out for it. But 
I don't think anyone beyond the hardcore comic book yeah, readers and, knows you know, about the Watchmen. And this is so. no knock on Watchmen. I think Watchmen is an incredible story. I mean, it's fantastic. And it's superbly written, yeah. superbly drawn. And I think it, it is a defining moment in comics. But I don't know if it's as recognizable in... But has the 40-year-old woman down the street, you know... That's what I'm saying. You the know, store, like, know anything about the Watchmen? That, no, that's, she that's, knows about Batman, probably. That's why it kind of shocks me. And I'm not taking anything away from... Like I said, I think the Watchmen's an incredible story. Yeah. But... He, it just it, when I see that stuff, it, it kind of makes me wonder how big is the movie going to be? Is it going to? I'm guessing it's going to do like eighty to ninety million its opening week. I don't think so. I think it might be do it might do fifty. Really? Yeah. Because I, I, I I think for people who don't know the book, they're going to probably look at that trailer and think it's the goofiest thing ever, and they'll ignore it, or really? they'll wait. You know, they might wait. You know, for the hardcore people who know what's about to come back and say, "Hey, it's a really good movie." You don't think then the you hardcore might get people can a good second weekend? But, Re, uh, create a good word of mouth about it. I don't. I think people who aren't into it, like we are, they don't care. Like it's mm. not like, especially in these times, they're not going to drop nine bucks on a movie they don't know about. Really, you know, I was reading too. Economists think movies are doing so well right now is because they think it is. People think it's a cheap form of entertainment. It is, and, and that's why they go see movies like Beverly Hills Chihuahua. I know. Do you know <laughs> Friday Thirteenth is the the biggest horror. Chihuahuas are adorable. And yeah, fun. horror movie opening ever. What? Friday Thirteenth was the biggest horror movie was opening it? ever. I know it's huge, but I didn't. Yeah, know can you believe biggest. that? I did, it did forty three million. I mean, that's a lot. What did they remake a Texas Chainsaw and Dawn of the Dead? Uh, Dawn of the do? Dead did like twenty. Really? Uh, Texas Chainsaw did like eighteen. The closest was Halloween, Rob Zombies, and did twenty six. I think uh, Friday Thirteenth had going for it was a week. Well, one, it's Friday the Thirteenth, which helps. Like it was on the day. Uh, the day. Uh, I think. Plus, it did it 20 did, million that It day. didn't have a lot of competition. No, either, well, so. I mean, but yeah, and I thought that was surprising to me. And, you know, and I guess, you know, a successful horror movie doesn't have to be a, like a successful Spider Man movie where it needs to make 300 million so it can make money. Yeah. You know, well, it, where. Those movies cost $200 million. Exactly, make, so that's what I'm saying. You know, you really got to make sure that. The new Friday 13th cost 19 million. It made its money back its first day. That's awesome. Yeah, and so, you know, I, I appreciate movies like that. That's why I want to. If I won Powerball, I would finance Evil Dead 4. I would finance that movie. Because how much do you think it costs? $12 million to make that movie? It's people in a... How much did uh, Army of Darkness cost to make? $21. $21 million? But that was more ambitious because it's, you know, you're taking it in a period piece. Yeah. And you have lots of more costumes, bigger sets. But if you did an Evil Dead 4, I, it, it'd take place where Ash comes back, obviously. I'd say I'd probably budget that movie at $40 Because you want to get that high production value, which didn't really achieve in Army of Darkness. No, like, it, it's, it's cute, but it's not, you know, those special effects aren't that See, great. I read an article of Sam Raimi's new movie called Drag Me to Hell, and they're already showing it. Like, they've already released, like, screenings for, I guess, test screenings, and it's getting killer reviews, and it cost, I think they said $20 million to make it, and and it's a, a smaller budget horror movie. And I wonder if Sam Raimi's a, a gifted enough filmmaker now where he could make an Evil Dead movie for cheaper and make it look better. Who knows? I would finance it. And I think if I came to a movie studio and said, I'll give you $10 million if you finance Evil Dead 4, do you think they'd put up the other 10, 20? If you came up to them? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm a huge fan. I'm just some bum off the street, and I handed them $10 million. Uh, maybe. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> I if I ever win Powerball, you know what I'm doing. Who owns the rights to Evil Dead? I don't even know. Well, uh, Sam Raimi owns the rights to Ash. I don't even know. I think uh, when you're mentioning, I think Sam Raimi could actually made the Spider-Man movies for way cheaper. 
Oh yeah. We well, made the first one for like 120. Yeah. Which is a good looking movie. But uh, three cost what 250 million? Yeah. The biggest one ever. Anyway, sorry. No, that's fine. No, I I agree. I got stuck on a topic you mentioned like four or five sentences ago. <laughs> no, you're fine. I know. It's, uh, yeah. Anyways. Wow, see, we didn't even have a topic. That flew by. And we geeked out for over an hour, and we're at the end. But like the Watchmen, watch, but like the Watchmen movie, I don't think your average podcast listener will care about this episode. <laughs> but see, <laughs> I think... get to 10 minutes and be like, oh, comics, all right, well... No, dude, the first 10 minutes, what did we talk about for some Video games. Video games. Video games and comics is comics. the theme of this show. So what, dude? They're awesome. They're great to us. They're great, dude. But we need to build a fan base. And we yeah. can't build a fan base of us quite yet. <laughs> well, no, we build a fan base on stuff we like because the fan base for comic book movies is bigger than any other movies. Self-evident by Spider-Man and Batman at box office returns. I guess if we could make a podcast about Titanic, we'd be the biggest podcast ever. <laughs> Maybe if we were podcasting in the year 1997. And we were in San Francisco. <laughs> is that a gay joke? It was. Not that I think gay people are bad. I think that movie's gay. You know how you describe things? I've never are... seen it. Dude, I, I, I so respect you for that. <laughs> that I've been able to hold out. Yeah, you've been able to hold out. Yeah. Because I didn't want to get on the Harry Potter phenomenon, and I went and saw it, and now I'm like a Harry Potter nerd. <laughs> and I'm such a nerd that I took the online test for Harry Potter. Turns out I'm in Gryffindor. Do you have any plans to buy an owl? No, maybe one day. Maybe one day. You know what's cool, though? I did, if you go to comicvine.com, um, they have like a MySpace page where you can set up uh, like a MySpace page or a Facebook page and they let you take a test on who you should be in it and I took the test yep I match most likely Spider-Man <laughs> you know who I most match most likely unlikely with Iron Man so you're not a, a drunk philanthropist yeah right <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like minus 66% matching with Iron Man 61 for 64% with Spider-Man and I answered the tr- questions truthfully. Like, I didn't skew them so I could, um... Like, try to get Spider-Man? Try to get Spider-Man? Yeah. You know, they asked you, um, is money important to you? I'm like, no, I could care two shits about money. Couldn't care less. Two shits. Couldn't. Two shits. Never mind. <laughs> no one uses the phrase, couldn't care less, right? But whatever. I'll just keep it to myself. And um, Brad looks like he should be working at Target right now. So fuck you, Brad. What? We're ending this goddamn podcast with you making fun of me. Just because I'm wearing a red shirt. I and khakis. <laughs> Dude, oh, I guarantee... Yeah. You can't wear jeans at Target. I guarantee you go to Target, someone's going to ask you where to find something. <laughs> <laughs> it, happened to me, can we find out right now? it happened to me at Best Buy one time when I wore my bright yellow um, polo and I wore khak- uh, khakis like, or cargo <laughs> pants like you. Someone came up to me and said, hey... Where is this? And the sad thing is, is I totally knew where it was. I'm like, so follow me. I did. You follow the... I did. Breeze. I'm like, this way, my friend. I was at Second Spin once, and they have no dress code there. And so... But still, I don't know why some guys asked me where the... Uh, some uh, some artist's records were at. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I was holding like a stack of five of my own <laughs> in my hand. Like maybe he thought I was stalking them, but still... <laughs> Do you know where they were? Uh, his thing? Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was some R&B album, so it's like... Yeah, nice. It's some R&B artist, so I was like, yeah, you're on the other side of the store, dude. Nice. You know Away I love, from me. You know what I love most <laughs> about our podcasts? I always end them, and then we go on for, like, another ten minutes. Because <laughs> you, like, you say something, and then I start to think about it. Yeah, I know. It's said. because I am so After, engaging. They're like, oh, right. 
I know, add right? Add that to the show because we have so much about our lives and experiences to share with the rest of the world. I know, you know? and everyone, I'm sure they're clamoring for more. <laughs> Not evidenced by all the hundreds of emails we get. <laughs> I know. Send us emails, motherfuckers. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, we're, we're producing a free show, a free and you show. can't write a goddamn not only, email. Not only a free show, a Text free show that is awesome. And we get just... your fingers on the keyboard, <laughs> press some keys. I will read your gibberish back on the podcast, and we'll mention you by name. And we did it. We skewed it to to comic nerds and video game nerds. So if you have questions to, for us, like our least favorite video game, least hey favorite... Ryan, how long hey. does it take you to beat Resident Evil Two? That depends, Brad. You, you know, know how easy that was. Yeah, you exactly. can do it in text form. Exactly. So just send it to me. And if you want to know hints about Resident Evil 2, let me know. I still remember. Yeah, he's like a living strategy guide. I'm a living strategy guide. I am <laughs> an organic strategy guide at your disposal. And with that... What am I, Ryan? Brad, you are... Adorable. Adorable. You're like Pikachu. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't, I don't yellow or... I have vocabulary beyond the word Pika. Uh, no, I was, you're just saying cute. What kind of comparison so, is that? You said cute, so I was going with Pikachu. Pikachu's cute. It's cute. I made a video called Slave Pikachu. Slave Pikachu, check it out. I just brought it back around to Nebulous Visions. Hell yeah. Do you have any ideas for new Nebulous Visions videos? I really want to shoot How to Be Awesome, like the sequel to Ryan's Hotline. And why haven't we done it? I don't know, Brad. All I need is your camera. I can improv that instantly. So no production value. Just set up the camera and go. Well, I want to shoot it like a cheesy um, self-help video. And I was thinking, um, like, you just follow me, like, documentary stuff. I don't even know. (laughs) Like totally cheesy. I don't want it to. I want it to be like <laughs> Ryan's Hotline. I don't want it to be like. I don't even know. Yeah, that's the thing. You gotta. You gotta establish the visual subtext of it. Otherwise, well, it's just you jerking around on camera. Well, yeah, I know. I understand that, but because Ryan's Hotline, it's you know, it's got production value. Oh no, it does. That's what I'm saying, though. That's I want it the same vein. Like I was thinking, uh, my mom, you know, lives in Genesee now, and she has those great mountains, and she has this deck that wraps around. So, so I think if you it, did like peak cores and you like walked. That's what the I'm backyard. saying. That's what I'm hey, saying. It, I'm Ryan. I'm awesome. This is how to be awesome. Like that's what I was thinking to do, to shoot up at her house because it, it's majestic, and you might even catch a glimpse of an elk or a fox. <laughs> you more than likely will because they're all over the place up there. They are. Every time I go up there, this. They truly are livestock. What? <laughs> uh, they might be called that actually. Elk wildlife. might be called wildlife. There's wildlife up there. Uh, brain not working. But still, I had an idea for a video. Yeah, what's that? Um, it's another one with you, and uh-huh. you're a uh, a magician slash slash uh, slash musician. So okay. you're a musician. <laughs> right on. <laughs> a, a musician who performs magic. Cool. At maybe children's birthday parties or uh, company retreats. I don't know. Right on. You... I thought you'd be really funny in that combination. Cool. Do it, Brad. I'll do it. You want to tell me you what you want me to do? the guitar, and then you make the guitar Look, disappear. <laughs> write the script, and I'll somewhat follow it. <laughs> Shoot some improv out right now. Hey, kids! Do you want to see the wheels on the bus go round and round with my trusty guitar? Guitar appears out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any rabbit songs about rabbits that you could say, you know, here's a rabbit out of a hat? And then you sing the song about rabbits. I don't know. I'd have to do some... Um, the only one I can think of is Alice in Wonderland with the White Rabbit saying he's late for a very important date. There you go. You can sing that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's the only idea. I, I found it on a post-it note today. I was like, oh, I forgot to mention that. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll do that. So keep an eye out for videos. Right. Reiterate. Please, uh, if you're listening, send us 
information, questions, queries, comments. It could be bad. We don't care. Obviously, if you can't tell by this podcast, we've kind of run out of material. Oh, we'll always have material. We will. Just this week, we're kind of... It's it's our break week. We've had a lot of stuff prior to this. Yeah. Um, I got kind of tired of providing material in, into the podcast, like front-loaded podcasts. Yeah. I don't think they turn out very well, so... See, now you have me, and I just keep it going. I'm such, like, a great interviewer. I should be, like, Peter Gammons on ESPN interviewing Alex Rodriguez about steroids. But What? Oh, you didn't hear that Alex Rodriguez got busted for well, using I steroids? I, just, I didn't know about the interview and stuff. Oh, yeah. He was young, naive, and stupid is what he said. Yeah. You know what's funny is uh, they have that Gatorade commercial where they have Alex Rodriguez in it, and they're talking about how great he is. When's that going to get pulled? <laughs> oh, yeah. He already got... No, I don't know. No one likes Alex Rodriguez. I can give two shits about him. Fuck him. Other than the Rockies, I don't follow baseball, so... Yep, and the Rockies are going to suck this year. I hope they don't, but all signs are not looking very good. I was thinking about today on my way to work, uh, I passed the Pepsi Pepsi Center, and I thought, gosh, I haven't actually been to a game game this year. Yeah, we should go to an Avalanche game soon. They'll lose, though. (laughs) I remember going last year, all, all the games I went to, they lost, and this year, they're even worse, so... Yeah, I know. They're starting to play better right now, though. The problem is they don't have any goaltending. If you don't have a goaltender, you're not going to win. Uh, who did they trade? It was Theodore? Uh, they didn't trade him. He was a free agent. Oh, so you decided to leave? Yeah. That sucks. Yeah, they are one point away from last place in hockey. I've never seen the Avalanche this bad ever. Well, the only place to go is up. So. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they're only seven points out of eighth place in the playoffs. Yeah, they can make a run. They've won three in a row. You never know. The Nuggets are really good this year. It's good. Yeah, about basketball. So yeah, until we meet again on the airways of iTunes, this is Ryan signing off. And, uh, sorry. You interrupted me, Brad. You just sign off now. I think, how would you not expect you to, who would expect listening to that, the way you ended it, for me not to jump in there with my name? Go on, finish your No, I, I'm, it's over. It's passed because I did. I was trying to think of something clever and you interrupted my thought process, so. I was just trying to sign off because I was, we, the other podcast we have like this is Brad and this is Ryan and then it's over but you're like this is Ryan's <laughs> a snake yeah I'm exaggerating the length of time because and... <laughs> as I was saying my thing I was like oh he has more to say <laughs> no oh. but the moment's passed but now I'm curious what were you going to say I don't even know tell you the truth so you're just bullshitting well yeah I always do like, I, <laughs> I just keep on talking and then so, hope, hopefully something clever will come out make something up right now um remember if we don't learn about history we're doomed to repeat it this is ryan saying goodbye this is brad catch you later yeah